Hello and welcome to another episode of One to Watch here on Get Football Plus, where we aim to look a little bit closer at some of football's up-and-coming talents. My name is Alfred, and I'm your host for today, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kish. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm all good, bro. Um, yeah, excited for this one. Something slightly different to our last couple um, with the sort of January transfer window coming up. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this one. Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited for this one as well. Get to speak a bit more about, I guess, just get to speak about more players than we usually do, which is always just a pleasure. But yeah, so for, for today, we've um, kind of switched up the, the format from the past few episodes. Um, and we're doing a bit of a, a market watch uh, on some of the players that maybe two teams from the, the European top five leagues who are struggling struggling a bit um, in this uh, maybe first third of the season um, and who will definitely be looking to sign up some new players in the January transfer window to try to get their um, results back on the right track. Um, so yeah, we, we've both picked one team and we're kind of just going to talk through um, the, the type of player um, they should be aiming for uh, to answer some of the needs from the from the squad and uh, and some of the options that could be available on the transfer window, taking into consideration that um, it is the winter transfer window and uh, you're not going to be able to sign the same caliber of player uh, that you'd be t- able to sign in the summer transfer window. I don't know about you, Kish, but whenever the winter transfer window comes up i'm always quite excited maybe even more than for the summer transfer window because as i just said it's kind of the window where the hidden gems get signed up sometimes sometimes you get some oddballs and just some underwhelming transfers or kind of just there to to fill some gaps for the rest of the season but sometimes you do get some game-changing transfers i think uh first one that comes to mind is I think Van Dyke signed for Liverpool back in the winter transfer window a few seasons ago. Um I know that um last season I had uh, a really in-depth look um at some of the signings at that tr- uh, winter transfer window. I remember um noticing uh Oscar Gluck who had signed for Lo- Salzburg at that time. Um uh, Usman Diomande, who had signed for Sporting during the winter transfer window as well. Uh, and yeah, just a good few other signings who kind of always go under the radar and you, you notice maybe the, the season after how good of a transfer it was. Do, do you have any transfers that come to mind in, in that sense? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a window for clubs that sort of, regardless of sort of circumstances, are always looking to buy young talent and and develop it whatever sort of position they're in so those sort of clubs especially like Salzburg and um, Sporting even they'll sort of always be towards the, the top end of the league um, but regardless of that they're they're always looking to sort of get bargains and, and then develop them for for then to receive a much bigger fee later down the line so I think it's just for, for a lot of those teams it's sort of they, they seem to go under the radar these signings but um, it's just sort of another window for them to to demonstrate how good their talent ideas and stuff. Um, the one that comes to mind for me is, which I think who's been very impressive this season is Trossard Arsenal. Um, I think that went yeah. a bit under the uh, radar in terms of he sort of came in as a squad player. Um, he still is a squad player, but I think he's made a much bigger impact than a lot of people expected. Um and yeah, I think he's he's shown his like kind of versatility playing. I think he played like sort of number eight role in on the weekend, um, or like an advanced number eight. Um, but he's played as a uh, striker. He's played on the left, so I think he's he's definitely one that comes straight straight to my mind. Um, but yeah, as you said, there's a lot of sort of underground deals that get done that you you don't really notice, and then later down the line they turn into these sort of really sought after players. Um, like like Luke and like Diamande, as you as you mentioned. Yeah, uh, I I think um, when I when I was researching the, those winter transfer windows from last season, uh, I think I put Trossard uh, in my like top top five 
of the the best transfers of that window, something like that. Uh, I, I think it was Trossard and Jorginho, but Jorginho's uh, success has been more debatable. But yeah, Trossard was definitely one of the really good pickups from that window. Um, and I remember Brian kind of not replacing him because obviously Brian always have their player who's replacing whoever's leaving already in the club. But they, they ended up signing a Facundo Buenanote in that window as well. Um, who's been having some interesting stints here and there in the, in the squad, even though he hasn't really um, fully integrated like the, the full rotation, but I'm sure it'll come soon. But yeah, so yeah, just generally always some interesting transfers. Actually, um, thinking about it, I, I feel like the winter transfer window is also a big subject of debate um, for football fans as well. Just because I think some people, uh, I'm not really sure how I position myself in this debate, but I think some people kind of find it uh, almost unfair um, that there is this possibility to kind of readjust your squad midway through the season. Because obviously some some clubs are overperforming because they've managed to get some really tight-knit, really under undervalued or underestimated squad together in the summer. And they're they're up in the league, and then uh, the the winter transfer window comes about, and they kind of get all their hidden gems taken from them because they're they're offered big sums of money, or just some big clubs are are after them. And so, yeah, I think in that sense, sometimes comes as a bit of a disappointment or injustice that these uh, big clubs are able to readjust more easily than than the smaller clubs who who have to make uh, smarter business, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's that's definitely a valid argument, um, and it is sort of it's tough for those clubs because um, you know they might have picked up a really smart transfer in the summer, um, which has led to them sort of having big success in the first part of the season, and then that sort of can be all teared down, um, torn down. Sorry, um, but I think two things on that. I think first of all, it's that sort of the football world that we live in today, isn't it? So. The big, the bigger clubs are always picking up players from the smaller clubs, and sort of there's not much that can be done to stop it. Um, and the other thing I was going to say is sort of, I guess sometimes you see players overperforming in those in in, in short short amount of time. So it is a time when big clubs are panicking. Um, the winter window, they don't have time to sort of they don't have as much time to sort of review transfers, and it's only a month long. Um, so you can sometimes get little. Um, small teams sort of receiving inflated fees for players that might not be worth it. Um, not that I can think of any that come to mind, but I'm sure that's definitely a, a possibility and, and sort of they can profit off that that sort of small sample size of, of a half season um, for some of their sort of players that maybe have been overperforming. Yeah, I, th- I think it definitely goes both ways um some some benefits and some downsides uh for both smaller and bigger clubs but actually sp- speaking of bigger clubs i believe the the club you've chosen for today definitely falls into that category um and will definitely be looking to make some big transfers um this winter considering how um disappointing of a start to the season they've had yeah i think I think obviously probably the biggest club in England, if not one of the biggest in the world, uh, Manchester United. So I sort of had I had pretty high hopes for them this season in terms of performance. I thought quite liked the way he was shaping his squad, Eric Ten Hag, at the time. In hindsight, probably now gone back on that. But um, I think... It's evident now that there's actually way more issues in that squad than first thought in summer. Um, I think some declines in the likes of sort of senior players like Casemiro, Varane um, have definitely hurt them alongside sort of signings really not not cu- cutting cutting it really. Anthony, I'd say. Um, Sancho has obviously been there for a while but not cutting it and then also, Mason Mount hasn't really been able to make his impact. I know there's been injury struggles there um, alongside with a lot of their players, which has been part of their underperformance. Um, they're, they're clearly kind of 
getting back on track a bit now, but I think there's still major, major holes in that squad, um, which I've only really highlighted one for this podcast. Um, and that is the the right winger role. Um, but yeah, there's there's definitely more more issues than that. Yeah, actually, why do you think that is? Because you're highlighting that role. And I think that's the role amongst a few others, which has seen the biggest spendings from the club in the past few windows with Sancho and with Anthony. Why do you think that is that that specific position has been so hard to um, fulfill, I guess, from the from the Man U recruitment? For me, it's the it's the dynamics around around the player that they're signing in those positions. So I don't think the circumstances of the setup are suiting those players. So Sancho, for example, at Dortmund, he tended to play on the left more, but he he did play on the right as well. He had players running off him all the time. A lot of a lot of the time, it would be Erling Haaland who he sort of he's very good in tight areas, combining with others. He's not gonna he's not gonna sort of drive a team forward with his athleticism or anything like that he's good at co- uh, combining with with sort of others and, and moving around and rotations um sliding clever passes in in for others um and sort of anthony's kind of a, a similar similar um case because he needs he's he's not got the athleticism to sort of take on one, two, three players him, himself. He needs he needs runners around him, and I think um, the the setup with the right backs they've got are really not classic wing backs um, that kind of get around them. Um, and also, I think the other thing around that is also I think Rashford uh, on the other side sort of prefers more narrow positions, um, and I think that's led to them sort of having this this lack of real wingers real touchline wingers who who provide width um and so i think there's been just a kind of mismanagement and miss planning of of that squad um what are your thoughts on 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 that yeah i definitely agree what you're saying with what you're saying also i feel like in the past like really few seasons maybe three four or five seasons not not much more than that. There's been like a huge tactical improvement in the Premier League to the point that wingers who whose strong point is simply not I, I don't wanna um downplay them like that, but whose major quality is dribbling and that being like their their main um maybe trait to to create differences and to participate in the game which i feel like is is a good way to partially describe sancho and anthony's game i feel like that type of winger just can't perform in the prem anymore just because of how tactically sound and just defensively solid teams have become in in that league yeah i completely i completely agree i think a winger needs sort of one there's what three sort of things that they need to be elite at at least one of them and i think that's sort of they need to be athletic athletic that's one sort of thing they can be so extremely athletic they can they can sort of take on fullbacks and, and, and get to the byline out of pure physicality and pace they need to be elite creators so sort of coming narrow creating from the flanks i'm thinking sort of your mares is your bernardo silvers um Grealish even um or or they need to be goal scorers like like real out and out goal scorers likes of Salah um and who else can I think of Son um those sort of players so so I think I think Sancho and Anthony don't really fit any of those three three modes um and that's sort of been their downfall as Premier League wingers and I think the system can protect them from that um and sort of make up for that but I do think that's that hasn't been the case and they haven't been able to cover those weaknesses. Um, and yeah, and I think the other thing is the even Pep spoke about it recently is how important those 1v1 duels are for wingers and fullbacks. And he the reason he moved towards the sort of four centre-backs across the back line system was because he saw those duels as such 
kind of huge factors in, in uh, between winning and losing. He he sort of needed that protection there. Um, he talks about Saka and Martinelli and and how how much they cause issues for for many teams in the league. And and he thought, okay, I need I need strong one on one defenders out out wide. Um, and I think. There are a lot more of those defenders out wide. I think fullbacks are now needing to defend again. Um, and that sort of affects them too, I think. Yeah, thinking about it now, I kind of want to go back on what I just said um, about wingers have with like pure dribbling traits as their, their main source of um, danger. I kind of want to go back on that because thinking of some of the best wingers in the league at the moment... I'm definitely thinking of Jeremy Doku and I'm definitely thinking of uh, Kaoru Mitoma, who, for both of them, that's definitely their, their main trait. But also, um, the, the tactical setups around them make it possible for them to be just dependent on for those specific roles. And and um, oppositely to that, for Man United, um, the, the tactical setup isn't, isn't made for there to be a player that just is just required from to just dribble and and bring bring danger from his wing. Yeah, and I think also the difference there is the the pure athleticism that both those players have. So I think dribbling on itself isn't enough. Whereas Doku and Matoma are extremely quick. Um, Doku especially sort of from a standing start. So those those one v one duels are just often in their favor. Um, I think Sancho and Anthony both lack that. They're not neither of them are that slow. I think especially Anthony's definitely not slow, but they haven't. They're not Premier League so elite at this point that neither of them are elite in that in that facet of their game. Um, which for my kind of players that I suggested, there are they are all kind of elite in one of those aspects that I mentioned before, sort of creation, one v one ability with athleticism or or sort of goal scoring. Um, so it'd be good to to get into that. Yeah, just because just before you get into that, actually, and it'll it'll kind of segue into it. Um, I, I read a I read a book recently called Soccernomics by uh, Simon Cooper and Stefan Szymanski, um, which kind of touches uh, touches on like everything surrounding football and transfers and and football economics in general. Um, but in that book, they touch on uh, different types of transfer policies. And one of the main ones that they touch on is a transfer policy, which they kind of associated to Olympique Marseille and also Real Madrid, which is transfers being more of a gift to the supporters more than anything. As in some, most signings are just there to please the supporters, regardless of it, if they're actually what is purely needed to, for the, for this team or for the, for the manager. And I kind of feel like um, it's the same with uh, Man United. With, with Real, it, it definitely works out better because um, it being such a huge and successful club at the moment, uh, the players that they, they're able to gift, so to say, to their supporters are also the best players in the world. So it doesn't really matter if that's how they're they're working. But when you look at Marseille, like, for example, signing Aubameyang in, in the summer or, or um, Unahi or anyone else they've signed recently um though they were like some flashy players at the time who definitely got the the supporters hopes up uh, at the end of the day at the end of the day sorry when you look at the results and how those players have performed you do come to question why they were signed in the first place and i feel like that's kind of the same with anthony and, and sancho yeah and i think it, it it buys the club time right because when you sign a lot of players or sign these these players they're they're always given a, a six to six month to a year sort of time settling period, I guess. So when there have been a lot of signings, it's sort of part of the process. And I think I think fans are lenient with that because also they're not used to that player being there. Fans often are, are way more harsh on players that have been around for, for longer than than the new player because, you know, they're they're sort of bored of them being there. Um and I think definitely I think United the main example of that was how United went from chasing Frankie de Jong for five months or something and then went for Casemiro at the end of the window instead who are two completely different profiles and it was sort of let's just fill that gap to make the supporters happy and take the pressure off and I think um, yeah United have been a big big victim of that 
yeah, you're definitely right. Uh, that's a it's a great example. Um, but yeah, to, to move into some of the players that you've selected, uh, hopefully there'll be some of some more um, some players more suited to the tactical setup and less of a just a Christmas present, early Christmas for uh, for United fans. I mean, I guess late Christmas considering the the winter window is after Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think my 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 sort of suggestions of of sort of taken some thinking into them i hope um so i think the first person the first player i'd suggest is sort of because of the lack of a touchline winger at united i think rashford for all his qualities is very much wants to be part of kind of the penalty box play getting into central areas getting on the end of things cutting and shooting um he's less going to keep width and, and sort of stretch play um, although he can do that competently, I think he'd like to be more in the box and stuff. So I think on the other side, it'd be quite um, important for them to have that sort of width on that side to sort of stretch defences and and um, create from 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 there. Um, so who I've suggested is Johan Bakayoko of, of PSV. Um, he's having a sort of good year now, I think, c- coming into sort of this half of the first, uh, this season and the second half of last season. Um, he's he's sort of a Jeremy Doku light, I guess. Both Belgian and sort of he has that sort of build, this short, stocky, explosive um, build where his like legs power in his legs is crazy. So from a standing start, he can just get to top speed straight away. One v one, he's he's great. He sort of um, plays on the right, of course. So he he's he's left footed, so cuts in a lot, but can also do the other side and and get to the byline. Um, his right foot's of a competent level and 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 he loves to take on his fullback. Um, and I think United fans would be very sort of refreshed to see a, a right winger who can take on a fullback or or take on multiple players at once. Um, because I don't think they've seen that in, in a long time. Yeah, I think that's the the Jeremy Doku comparison is definitely the one I, I'd think of making as well. Very, very similar players in in the way they uh, attack the the wing and, and just with pure pace physicality and also just technical skill um what i do wonder though is he he's only been playing at psv for um yeah a year as you mentioned do you not do you not think it'd be a step too early for him to move straight on to united knowing how much pressure players get put on um when they sign for that club so i certainly think <clears throat> that it would the pressure is huge at United regardless. Um, and I think t- two things. I think, first of all, they don't, they have so much, so many positions to spend on um, and so many requirements to kind of rebuild that squad is they can't afford to be paying top, top money for whoever they bring in at each position. Um, so that sort of means you go for a player towards the end of his career um, or you go for a young player who's sort of, that getting to the to the towards the start of his peak career, but but not not yet. Um, and I think their age profile of the squad is sort of leaning towards too old. And I think they have to go for a young player. Um, I think the right wing market is also pretty scarce. I don't think there's many many options. Um, but it's hard because I think with Man City, you've seen Doku come in straight away because it's a settled team. Um, the environment's good. The, the the tactical setup is is clear, um, and he sort of slotted in so seamlessly. Whereas at United, it's always been a bit disjointed, and it's harder for those players to sort of just come in so smoothly. Um, so that's definitely a concern. Um, it's maybe a gamble they'd have to take. Yeah, what what I'd be afraid of is that he kind of takes the same path that Anthony did. Come, coming with big hopes, but um, quickly enough being de- demoralized by a mixture of criticism and, and disappointing performances. But also, I, as you said, with, with Anthony and Sancho, who kind of lack that pace and, and, and physicality, I think he definitely has that, which would allow him to at least, um, if he isn't technically um, at the level, at least be there physic physically and um and then just progress as as time goes by uh, i i think if if that type of player were, were to join he'd definitely need 
some adaptation and some uh, leeway from the supporters and from his manager to 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 get um, used to the league and used to the intensity because obviously the Air Divisi and the Premier League are two very different different leagues in terms of uh, intensity. But um, I think, yeah, as you mentioned, because he's he's so young and, and probably not um, that expensive yet, I think it'd definitely be a gamble to take. And if it weren't to work out, a, a loan move um, to to uh, a lower league, maybe League 1 or or back to their Eredivisie or some other league, I think a loan move would be def- definitely possible for him to come back a year or two later and then be a, a properly developed winger. Yeah, for sure. And um and I think, yeah, it's it's difficult to know. It's always difficult to know from those sort of top ten leagues, but not the top five leagues, how well they're gonna take the step up. Um I do think at least he can rely on his sort of physicality um and compete in the league, um, which is something I think Anthony struggled with. Um and I do think Anthony was a bit protected by the Ajax system. Um, and I don't. I think Bakayoko has more sort of got the foundations and the tools to at least have a higher chance of taking it in his stride. Um, but let me. I'll, I'll move on to my 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 next sort of player. Um, and this one's actually not. It's not actually a right winger in itself. Um, so I suggested Jeremy Frimpong, who would be sort of coming in as a right back. Um, he has played right wing back this season, but he's pretty much been a right winger um he's played in all the zones he picks up a sort of up and down that touchline but but pretty high um but the sort of thinking here was was kind of looking at the right wing profiles you have at the club currently so i think anthony's the main one i think it's likely sancho's leaving um so we'll sort of ignore him but but also um ahmad diallo who's come in off a loan spell in championship that was very very promising um and he's sort of he's picked up an injury but he's 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 a big big prospect um and he and both those players i think they do their best work inside the pitch um as i said sort of combining um they need runners around them to sort of to be effective and i think frimpong would would provide that 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 pure width and that pure running up and down the flank for those two players to sort of come inside and and, and create in those sort of half spaces while while Frimpong sort of keeps the width up and down um, and c- can provide good crosses out wide and, and, and does have 1v1 ability as well. I believe Frimpong was already on the books for, for signing to United last summer. If not, I might be um, getting him mixed up with another club, but I believe he was. And I think it's that's probably the, the best signing United could make um as you mentioned just that combination of um defensive ability um and just extreme attacking talent and danger um down that flank uh being able to to kind of cover the whole um the whole right wing um and bring solutions throughout the pitch um, yeah, just definitely the, the perfect signing for United. I'm sure they'll be after him uh, next summer as well. But for him, I just feel like for this winter, at least, it'd just be impossible concerning um, Bayer Leverkusen's current form and season and the um, potential that squad has to potentially, uh, the poten- potential to potentially, the potential to possibly... Um, go get that Bundesliga title. So I, I'm I'm pretty sure there, there's no way that would happen. But coming this summer, it's definitely a move that United will be on for sure. Yeah, and I guess we've definitely seen players do it before, sort of leave before a major sort of chance at a trophy just because I guess players think, oh, if I, if I don't move now, then this chance might never come again. Um, but I agree, I would I would definitely encourage him to stay in that, that exciting Leverkusen team. The only... Caveat, I'd also add just before we move on to your team, I think um, with signing him, I think you need to sign a right centre-back. That is, because I think United will be interested in a new centre-back anyway. Um, a right centre-back who covers space very well, very good at defending channels because there will be a lot of covering to be done on that right flank if he's 
if he's the right back because he's so attack minded. Um, the likes of Tadibo, who they're interested in, apparently would be sort of great, great shout um, there. But that is definitely one thing to think about with with that signing. Um, but yeah, let's let's move on to your team. Yeah, yeah. Just to, just to finish up on that, it's it's pretty much like the the Aaron Wan Bissaka up um, kryptonite. <laughs> basically the the opposite profile which would make the the squad in general very complete in that um regard but yeah, as you said just would definitely need to be signing um a defensively sound center back who can cover um the 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 holes left um down that right flank maybe maybe playing a in a three back as well uh, um and and have one Basaka as a right-sided center back. Perhaps that would be a, a possibility. But yeah, I'm just convinced that United will be after Frimpong this summer. So wait, to, we'll we'll wait to see for that. But yeah, to to move on to to my team, um, kind of a different uh, a choice from yours, more of a a hipster selection, I guess. Uh, I've gone with uh, Union Berlin who, of course, had that remarkable season uh, last year where they spent half of the season in first place be- before kind of tumbling in, in the second half of the season. But nonetheless, still still finished at a very respectable fourth place uh, considering the squad they had and, and the, the budget and their, their past few seasons before that one. Um, but this season, to my huge surprise, actually, um, they're they're seventeenth, so one one position from last place in Bundesliga, which for me was extremely surprising considering the summer transfer window which they had uh, that saw them sign. Well, first of all, Leonardo Benucci from Juventus, which I thought was a, a huge signing and a very smart one at that. Uh, also signing um, Robin Gosens from Inter. Uh, Kevin Voland from uh, AS Monaco, Luca Toussaint from the the rivals Hertha Berlin, and also a, a few interesting signings: Alex Kral from Schalke, who's a, a decent young uh, prospect; uh, David Datro Fofana, of course, from Chelsea um, on loan, and also Brendan Aronson on loan from Leeds. Um, and I thought with that um, transfer window, and considering that they only lost. A few players, a few, I mean, I guess important squad players like Paul Seguin, who went to Schalke, and Sven Mitchell, who went to Oxford, who both played their, their fair share of games last season. But I thought they would ha- be having an even better season than, than the last. And, and I'm quite surprised at how how they're sh- shaping up so far. Yeah, I think sometimes we see these these sides overperform and they sort of rest on their laurels a little bit and think, oh, let's just be careful here and not kind of shoot for the stars and, and, and especially kind of qualifying for the Champions League, sort of building from that slowly rather than just sort of going going for it and, and kind of shooting for the top. And I think they did the opposite. I think they really did show ambition and that that window to me was a was a sign of ambition. Um, big, big names there, like ne- not necessarily all of them playing the best form of their careers, but I think some of those like Bonucci, uh, Gosens, um, Voland, those three especially are, are, are sort of seasoned pros and, and have had very good sort of careers. Um, alongside a, a nice mix of a bit of youth with um, Aronson and, and Fafana, who I think are both good players. Um, Fafana, I think, huge potential. And, and Aronson, I was, I was impressed at times when he was at Leeds. Um, so I think the, the, the window was... was in, in hindsight, obviously not successful, but at the time it looked like one that was quite smart. Yeah, I thought it was super smart. I actually had it up with some of my favorite transfer windows uh, from from the the summer, along with Girona and Frosty Sonne, who are having the, the season I was expecting um, um, Berlin to have. But um, I think. Yeah, as you said, teams sometimes overperform during a season. I think we've seen that time and time again. Obviously, Leicester, um, even as recently as last season with Lens or Berlin. And I think what's important when you have that breakout season is to 
remain ambitious, as you just said. And although they did that defensively um, with all those signings, I, I just think they've lacked um, ahead even even further than just ambition in signings. I think they've lacked ambitions in in play as well. They kind of, you know, you know, you know, last season they they kind of. Um, had a lot of success with transitional play and, and counterattacks and and just um, holding out victories. Um, and I feel like you can't have two seasons like that. And from then you have to you have to keep your your best players, keep your your defensive solidity, but build from that and and evolve tactically to be a more dominant team. Like your status has changed. You're not the underdog anymore. You finished fourth in the Bundesliga and you're playing Champions League football. So you have to grasp at that new uh, status and become a, a dominant side. And I think they f- they failed to do that and, and just kind of remain the, that defensively solid uh, transitional team. But as soon as you kind of um, lose in form and in, and in um, finishing ability, I guess, um, you you kind of stop performing as as you were that, that season before and so i think to 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 move on towards the 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 position or role i'm i'm aiming at for this um i think even though um they're actually the the second worst defense in the league uh having conceded 27 goals uh already although that is the case i think they'll definitely progress defensively and that shouldn't be an issue in the second part of the season, uh, specifically because uh, Leonardo Bonucci has missed a few games due to muscle injuries, um, and spe- and also even more importantly, their their defense leader um, Danilo Doki um, has missed um, a good few games since the end of October due to uh, an injury as well, um, and also. Um, Trimmel, I forgot his, his first name. Trimmel, the the right back, who was an essential piece for last season, well, uh, last season as well. Sorry, uh, has also been injured. So, uh, three very important players who have been missing out for for a good few games, and just in general, I can't imagine with so many good defensive players that they'd continue to struggle so much in that part of the of the game. Uh, what I do feel like they're lacking is in offensive creativity. Because when you look at their lineup, they have um, a good few um, proven um, goal scorers, I guess. Um, Geraldo Becker, Kevin Voland, Kevin Behrens, um, all more or less like proven Bundesliga goal scorers. Uh, Detro Fofana as well. And, and with those strikers, I, I just can't understand that they're also the, the third worst attack in the league, having scored only 12 goals. And I I just believe that that comes from a lack of creativity and, and chance creation from, from their side. Um, looking at last season, their, their best assister was um, um, Becker uh, with 10 and uh, Trimmel with 7. And this season, the, their best is um, Becker, uh, Lyduni, sorry, with two, uh, three assists and Becker with two. So definitely a, a big uh, lack in that sense. Yeah, and I think that sort of, in terms of the, the names there, it, it seems to be a sort of setup issue. And I believe their, their manager was sacked, right, um, recently. Yeah. So so it's, it, it definitely seemed as if, yeah, as you said, they they, they sort of, they might have been ambitious in the uh, ambitious in the market, but weren't weren't ambitious in terms of converting their their play into more progressive play and 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 believing that they're sort of worthy of being up there. Um, you can't you can't have one without the other. You can't sort of go towards a more progressive side of play without getting the the players in to do so. You can't get those sort of players in to do so and then still kind of play as a, as the underdog. So you, they have to come together, and I think that was probably their failure. Yeah, exactly, exactly what, what I was trying to get at as well. And in that sense, I think, yeah, what, what's definitely lacking is just that leading midfielder uh, who 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 would play alongside Isa Laiduni, who I think was another um, winter window star from last season. I think he, he's definitely a, a key starter for them. But I think alongside him and his ball winning and and 
and anti-press um, dribbling qualities. I think they definitely need just a ball carrier and a, and a, and a chance creator who can just get the ball from the midfield and shoot it up to one of the strikers or or a, or um, a wing back making a run. And so in that sense, I've selected three uh, midfielders who are playing at a lower level than the Bundesliga um, and who I think would all love a move in this winter window, though I, I'm not sure if, if, uh, if any of them are, are that uh, realistic, considering, realistic, sorry, considering how good of seasons they're having. But um, yeah, the, the, the first one I want to speak about is a player called uh, Hyun Silk Hong, who's a Korean midfielder who's kind of playing um, in a more offen- offensive role, maybe uh, a 10 role uh, for Ghent in the, in the Jupiler Pro League. Uh, he's worth 7 million um, euros, according to Transfermarkt. He has three goals, three assists this season. And yeah, this guy is just um, a very good all-round midfielder, very energetic uh, I think the the, fir- the first thing that comes to mind when watching him is his uh, positional awareness and just um, intelligence to get into free space. And I feel like that's very precious for when you do recuperate the ball to have that first guy to, to go to, to send the ball to, um, and to kind of beat that first line of press. And from there, you can just carry the ball up the pitch. And, and pass it out to, to one of the wide players or to a striker. Um, also very good at the, with the ball at his feet, able to make differences there. And just overall, a, a very good um, offensive option, I guess, um, from the midfield who kind of links defense and attack very well. So he's definitely one that would, I would aim for, though he, he is worth $7 million. And I think with the winter window, that would definitely at least double. So it might be a... Um, a difficult fee to put up. Um, although although they, they didn't um, Berlin didn't spend that much last summer. A lot of free transfers and and uh, and low fee transfers. So could be possible. Um, another player I have been looking at for a while now because I've been very interested in in this team is um, Parma from uh, Serie B, and and the player is Adrian Bernabe who is an ex-Man um, City and, and a Barca um, graduate uh, playing in yeah, Serie B. He has um, three goals, three assists this season in, in league-leading uh, Parma side, worth $5.5 million according to Transfermarkt. He's a, also a very good all-round midfielder um, who kind of similarly to um, Hong has uh, just great positioning and, and ball receiving availability um, can mutate into a deep lying playmaker at times when necessary and can also just pick up the ball and be very vertical in the way that he brings it about uh, into the final third and, and just again just make make himself available in that in that area of the pitch uh, he, he is your your typical like small Spanish style playmaker like your David Silva's like your Iniesta's etc but he also does have just that pure verticality at times which allows him to be a menace on the on the goal and and be a very important in the offensive third as well and what were um what's the what's the sort of midfield setup is it still a midfield two or is the new manager coming and sort of changed that at Parma Sorry, no, uh, at um, Berlin, Union Berlin. Oh, no, uh, yeah, no, at Berlin, it's still a, a midfield two. They're, they're kind of playing on like a three, three, four, three. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, still midfield two. But I feel like with that, def- those defensive signings, they can definitely hold up with just having one midfield that's or- purely oriented defensively speaking. I think Isa Leiduna can definitely play that role. And then having that offensive mid could, would bring a, a more balanced midfield setup i guess yeah and i think sort of with a with a back three you, you can always afford to have one kind of more creative midfielder i guess um the likes of i don't know in, in conte's fourth three four three at, at chelsea you had like fabregas and and, and p- players like that playing in midfield twos and, and being much more sort of creative from there so yeah it's definitely definitely um a possibility yeah, yeah, for sure. Also, and specifically in the Bundesliga, which is a league that focuses a lot on transitional play and, and just with loads of space. 
you don't need the the midfield to be that like overloaded than in a league like the Premier League w- w- would need to or even the the the, the La Liga as well. Um, and so yeah, t- t- the the final player that I I was looking at um, to to not make this episode too long for for the listeners, um, the final player I was looking at. Um, is a player who's playing in Bundesliga 2. I'd say he's the one I'm definitely the least familiar with um, just because I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a big watcher of the Bundesliga 2, to be honest. I, I do watch uh, Parma just because there's a few players I, I'm watching there. Uh, same with Ghent, specifically in the, in the European Cups. But I can't say I watch a lot of, Euro- of Bundesliga 2, maybe some highlights here and there. But a player I've, I've been impressed with for a while uh, statistically speaking, and and because he has impressed me st- statistics, statistically speaking, sorry, I, I have been keeping an eye on him, uh, is Shinta Applecamp, who's playing at Dusseldorf, who are fourth in the Bundesliga 2, uh, who's a German and um, Japanese um, midfielder who has... Um, Sorry, who has five assists this season um, and is in the leading players in the Bundesliga 2 for key passes per 90. Um, he's also uh, in the, in the, um, with a 3.13 key passes per 90. Sorry. sorry. He's also a set piece specialist, which I, th- I feel like is a very important player to have in teams who aren't necessarily dominant offensively, to have that set piece specialist who can kind of bring danger when, when the team is struggling to create chances. Um, and he's just an all-around very impressive passer who has uh, an extensive passing range and also great passing accuracy um, in all types of passes. So, yeah, more more of a passing progressor than a, a ball-carrying progressor like the, the other two players. Um, but I feel like uh, associated with Laiduni, um, they could definitely just be pinging balls all day to to the um, wing backs and, and and strikers, and and get some get loads of chances throughout the game. Yeah, and as you said, sort of a lot of Bundesliga is very transitional, and a lot of I think in, in, almost all the teams play play high lines there whenever I watch, and it's 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 sort of crazy to think, and I think that was. Partly why, but Union Berlin had such success because they played a sort of different style last season, um, which was more kind of low block and and and, and uh, counter sort of. Um, and I think to have two kind of pass heavy midfielders is not a, is not a bad thing in the Bundesliga, especially if you've got runners in behind who can sort of capitalize on on long passes over the top or or into the channels and 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 then kind of get. Get players into the box from there, so so that sort of does does suit, I think. Yeah, I think uh, as a, as a main example, Geraldo Be- Geraldo Becker uh, in and behind uh, could definitely be a threat when he gets back from his injury because he's been injured as well. Um, Robin Gusens making those runs down the wing. I know I know he's very very good crosser um, and always been just a, a good threat, a good box threat in general. Uh, Kevin Volland, a very good um, com- combiner, I want to say, with with other other strikers next to him. So yeah, a- as soon as they start being able to actually get the ball to those players, I'm sure they'll start scoring again. Um, so yeah, it 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 just is a matter of yeah getting the ball to them. I was kind of expecting Aronson to have that role when he when he joined, but I guess it hasn't clicked so far. We'll, we'll wait and see to, in the second half of the season if he does start to to click with that. But um, yeah, as you said, I, I, how I imagine it is just Laiduni or some of the center backs winning the ball back, giving it to Laiduni. Laiduni eliminates one or two pressers and then and then plays it out to the other CM, whoever whoever is signed, if they do sign anyone, and then and then he carries it from there and and gets it to the attack. Yeah, and I think Aronson himself. I think just to quickly go on him, you would think the Bundesliga would suit him because. He's sort of very intense, sort of all-action player who I think at times in the Premier League lacked that kind of ability to calm down and assess. Um, was kind of 100 miles an hour all the time, kind of both in his pressing and, and sort of his 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 in-possession play. Um, and I think those kind of players do suit the, the Bundesliga and we see that a lot from the Red Bull clubs, which I believe Aronson came from. from. Um so he's a proper like Red Bull style player, and and you'd think that 
that would be the right league for him. But um, I guess he's still got the second half of the season to sort of shine. If 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 they don't or if they do sign a new midfielder, he's still he's still sort of a good player. Yeah, I, I think the the midfield two is kind of what what is holding him back. Um, he does need to have that maybe play a bit higher up the pitch, less defensive um, responsibilities and more just like creative responsibilities. And uh, that's not really really what's asked from him um, in that setup. Maybe if he if he joins the attacking three, he'd, he'd have more of an impact, I think. Um, but yeah, it, it'll definitely be interesting to see um, who both teams do move um, towards during the, the winter window. I'll definitely keep my eyes peeled for that. As, as I said, probably the, the most exciting part of the season for me, actually, just because of how, how I, I love just monitoring transfers and, and new players and, and such. Um, but I, I guess we'll, we'll end it off for today. Uh, definitely been a very interesting um, conversation as usual. I'm, I'm hoping the, the listeners out there have also enjoyed it and, and will continue to, to listen and, and support the podcast. But uh, yeah, as a reminder, you can follow um, Kish at Rondo underscore reports on X. And you can also follow me at um, Alfred at uh, driver underscore ice, I-C-E-E on X as well. Please also keep a lookout on our Get Football Media outlets where we cover European football and world football news, um, videos, opinions from some of the most plugged in analysts across the football landscape. You can see a link in our show notes to all our outlets. Please rate the podcast and give us a five-star review and feel free to leave a comment on our socials too. Thanks for listening and we look forward to the next one. Bye-bye.